What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for hanging out. Welcome into Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr is back at it. Hope you're doing all right, Damon. It's a couple days removed from National Scotch Day. I didn't know if I'd get you to try something new versus your rum, the rum connoisseur. And we'll see what happens. (laughs) Damon's Thought Bubble says this bleeping show just started. And while I've considered drinking to put up with Hugh Schmidt, I have not started yet. We'll talk some hoops. Nebraska's basketball roster is on campus. What's the 2.0 look like? A really nice story. As always, on HaleVarsity.com from Jacob Padilla. Jacob will join us in about 15 minutes. We'll sneak in some football with him. Brad Edwards. Mr. Brad is moving tomorrow. So the Wednesday time slot. Next, we are going to move Brad up. We are going to get Brad to project what we will hear tomorrow from the ACC. Do we hear from the SEC? Do we hear from the Big 12? What happens with schedule declaration for college football? Brad Edwards in one hour. And then a sit-down with a Hall of Fame coach for Nebraska, an amazing recruiter. His secondaries and outside linebackers were fierce. George Darlington will be with us at 525. We'll uh, sneak into the 540 segment with George as well, get his take on football outlook and the uh, 2020 schedule and uh, season for Nebraska. What's he think the Big Red can do? In 2020, numbers to get in 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Those are the numbers. Find us and follow us on Twitter. Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio and at Damon Barr. That's two R's for Damon and email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. So Andy Katz has weighed in on college football with Mr. Feinbaum. He thinks it's going to come down to the SEC. If the SEC plays, I can't see a scenario where the Big Ten, Big 12, and ACC and Pac-12 take a pass. He is absolutely right. So we go back to this decision by the Big Ten. They were the first in the pool. We didn't know what was in the pool. Remember the scene from Caddyshack? (laughs) It turned out to be a baby Ruth. Thank the Lord. So the Big Ten's like, we're going to give us some more time. The other smart kids out west in the Pac-12, they're good with that. So we're going to let you either take or dodge the bullet SEC. Because let's be flat out straight about it. The SEC is, they think they're the biggest, they're the baddest, they're the best. That's their bravado. Whether you agree with it or not, 
they are going to make their own call and they're going to listen to themselves. They're not going to listen to anybody else because they are the SEC. Remember, it just means more. (laughs) So, listen. This was brilliant by the Big Ten. And you know from a whizzing contest that the SEC wants to counter. Honestly. I think there are some in the SEC that are concerned about health and safety. But above all, they want to play ball. They don't want to be told what to do. And if the SEC jumps into this thing, done. They have taken the bullet for everybody else. You hear the term checkers and chess. And the Big Ten was like, you know what, we're going to, we're going to make a declaration that we're going to go to a 10-game schedule. That's what our thoughts, that's what our, that's what our plan's going to be. We'll be first. We won't tell anybody. Everyone else has got to react. Well, people have had times to get their bleep in a group. And, and now it's, it's your move, SEC. It's your move, money, money printer for college football. And the SEC will probably stand up wag their finger at COVID and say, we're going to play ball. And once they do that, everything's unlocked. You can follow suit. You can adjust. You can maim, move, do whatever you need to do. And once the SEC stands up to either go, yep, we're bigger than COVID, or, oops, this was a bad decision six months from now because we have wrongful death lawsuits, so be it. Let them jump in the pool. It just means more. So that that's what I expect, and that is kind of what has been on my mind for a while. The SEC will determine whether or not we play football because they think it's their right to determine whether or not we play football. And I'm going to side with them. Let's play football. So let's let's move forward. With that in mind, how much juice will Nebraska get from their JUCOs? Right? I mean, if we're going to talk about having a season and having 10 games and navigating through a conference schedule, Nebraska has some some dudes. They've got some ball players that have found their way to Lincoln. From the JUCO ranks. And let's not BS. It is going to be imperative that you have wow seasons from a number of them. This isn't any added extra pressure or to be a jerk. It is a reality. If Nebraska football plays in 2020, if Nebraska football has a 500 or better record through these 10 games we think are going to happen... It is going to come down to that JUCO infusion. What do you get? What do you get out of 2020 from Will Honus, that inside linebacker? What do you get from Nadab Joseph at corner? What do you get from Keem Green, either at, at nose or on the defensive end? And yes, what do you get from Omar Manning at wide receiver? Four JUCOs for 2020, that are just monstrous. So what are we thinking here? 70 tackles for a Honus, injury-free? Sure, let's put it in pencil. Uh, Nadab Joseph, 
When does he crack the starting lineup? Is he a threat at cracking the starting lineup? Yeah, he is. He's talented. He's got to live up to the hype. I think he can. And he's got a position coach that will make sure that happens, as does Honus. And I really like how Barrett Root outlined things a year ago for Honus as to maybe some Nebraska fans, this is me talking, not Rude, were underwhelmed by what you got from Honus. And when you do the math on it and the way that Coach Rude laid it out, it was nice to get some of the production you got from Honus. Now it's just gravy, baby. The guy got a little time, got hurt, redshirted, and now you're going to have a senior season where he is healthy. And with Keem Green, whether it's it's Thomas or Stilly or Damian Daniels on the interior that start, Keem Green uh, is a guy that, that has worked on his body, that is talent. And, and these guys I'm, I'm laying out were all very highly rated JUCO kids. Number one offensive player in the country in Omar Manning, uh, a, a top three player in the country with Joseph at cornerback. Keem Green was a, a top six guy and the number one defensive line, Juco kid. And Honus was up there as well when it comes to what Iowa and Wisconsin wanted also as a linebacker. So 2020 is going to hinge, yes, on quarterback play, yes, on the offensive line, but on what type of juice you get from these JUCOs. Who do we got on the horn? Uh, we got Clyde coming in. Clyde is checking in. Clyde, welcome into Hale Varsity. Thanks for calling. Hey there, Schmidt. How you doing? Good, brother. What's up? So what do you think about all these guys opting out now with with the NFL stuff? I think it's, I think it's good. I think it's going to let – let some guys in, let some guys out. But do you even think there's going to be a season this year? I do. I think there's going to be a season. I think the NFL is going to say, oh, crap, baseball's screwed up. We need to hub this thing up or, at worst, put a bubble in place at some point. Uh, I think the NFL will, will absolutely do it. Guys are opting out because, from depending on their contract, if, if they roll the dice and play it, okay, and they end up canceling the season, I think they get screwed out of their money. I think some guys are strategic with their opt-out. I think there's some absolute health risks for sure with some guys, or maybe there's some newborns. Uh, So I think the NFL guys that are opting out, uh, part of it's health, but a lot of it might be money. But what about, like, I just I don't understand. If you're going to protocol it, why would you then cancel it at the first sign of trouble? I feel like you have to let the protocols like work their way through versus just hitting the eject button, which is, I feel like they're all just hitting the eject button before like it's too soon, which is going to happen for everyone across the board. You know, baseball said they're moving forward. They have not hit the eject button, thank God. If they would have, we could have longer talks about there being no football or no sports. Baseball is going to let the protocols play out. I think you have other sports, and even quite honestly, you look at some of the management by college football teams, They've been way ahead of the game. They've been more prepared uh, with how they're going to move forward here with protocols, with bubbles, with what they're asking their players to do versus Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball is a joke. They've handled it like a joke. Yeah, I think think you're right there, Schmidt. All right, appreciate you. I'll listen next week. Glad you take care. Work on your golf game. (laughs) I'll do my best. (laughs) I love Clyde. 
I love Clyde. It's good to hear from Clyde. Clyde's concerned about the NFL guys. I get it. Did you see the text chain with Adam Schefter and some other team official? They, some other team official to Schefter's like, you know, Belichick is an evil genius. Think Dr. Evil with the hair and the ripped sleeves. Belichick's trying to work his way so he can have the top pick overall and Trevor Lawrence ends up in New England. Now, that'll happen and Trevor Lawrence will be told to cut his hair like Steinbrenner told Mattingly to cut his, his mullet back in the 80s. Hey, you know, Hightower, maybe you want to take the year off. You just had a young one. I mean, New England's got six guys that have opted out, which, which is just crazy. But thanks to Clyde for the phone call, 466-3776. Back to the JUCOs in Nebraska. You want a 500 or better season, you're going to need monster production from, from Keem Green and Honus for sure. And if you get Joseph to come in, pick it up, and, and be that lockdown threat he's supposed to be, that Alabama liked, that, that Georgia liked, think what that can do against the Big Ten run assault that's been spreading and running all over Nebraska's front front seven for the last couple, three years. If you get a guy that can go man-to-man, do it well, and, and be on that island with Wilson, God love you, because you can devote one of your safeties to be an extra run stopper in the box. That's, that's really what hinges if you get that type of performance from somebody. Now, Omar Manning. Damon, let's talk about Omar Manning here. Are, are we thinking Spielman numbers right out of the gate from the kid? Is that too tough to ask with not much... with not much spring ball time. I mean, you, you've had some some walkthroughs going on, thankfully, if you're a Nebraska fan with uh, this uh, this mini camp going on. But you're going to have Wandale, you're going to have Manning, you're going to have your tight ends to choose from. You're going to have a no-knee brace Adrian Martinez. Manning's played college ball. He's been great in JUCO. And they're going to wear him out throwing the football to him. And I, and I just think back, think about the, the, the impact in big games a guy like Mo Purify had. Different speed and body types, but Mo Purify kind of comes to mind. Or when we're talking defensive line, think what Randy Gregory did his two years in Lincoln, specifically his first year in Lincoln in Big Ten play. They don't go win at Penn State, and they don't go win at, at Michigan without Randy Gregory. So what's Omar do on the offensive side of the ball? Can you can you get seven hundred yards and five touchdowns out of the kid? Well, I think um, no. ten games. I guess that's seventy yards a game. Even if we don't get insane production out of Omar, I think just having him on the offense creates a lot of other options by proxy. Because you, mean you can't triple team Wondell. <laughs> well, yeah, you can't do that anymore. Basically, now that we have more receivers out there who are threats to catch the ball, and that's what uh, Omar Manning definitely is. That'll be good. That'll be good to, to see what type of production you get from the JUCOs. But that that's gonna that's gonna be major for Nebraska football. Uh, there are other wideouts, yes, than Omar Manning. There are options, yes, but he's a big time talent. You bring him in to make plays. 
and then uh, Keem Green and, and Honus, they've, they've been here, specifically Honus, and, and him against the run will be key. Uh, Keem Green, uh, if you can get some work from him, getting after the quarterback, stopping that run, that's huge. And then Joseph, man, him being uh, a baller at quarter is uh, going to be nice. We'll see what Nebraska gets. George Darlington is an hour away. Get his thoughts uh, on some Nebraska football. We'll hear from Brad Edwards. The SEC, it just means more, baby. Uh, Are they the linchpin to make sure college football happens? We'll talk with Brad about that. Some hoops and some uh, football. Jacob Padilla's on the way. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome. News from Ohio State. We'll get into when it comes to stadium capacity. Great to be back with you on Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Jacob Padilla is with us, a basketball guru, writer with HaleVarsity.com and magazine at Jacob Padilla underscore. Jacob, you, you checking out any hoops today? How are you? Yeah, I just got done watching the, the Suns' last uh, scrimmage down in the Orlando bubble and uh, played pretty well, so that was fun. That's awesome. What a novel thought, Jacob. Teams having a bubble, right? And then there's Major League <laughs> Baseball. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you're it's just... a, little, a little different when you're trying to hold your entire season with your whole league versus just trying to finish it up with a limited um, No, I, I know. There, there are, there are hub cities yeah. that, that were clearly – too warm to go play in. <laughs> hey, I you know, I really enjoyed your your write-up on varsity.com premium content, which means you subscribe, but it won't hurt each month. All right. Uh 855-3-Husker-Varsity.com backslash subscribe. Get the digital and the magazine. You'll be a, a happy Husker fan, I promise you. But you you took a look at what is uh in the works for Nebraska basketball, they're continuing to work out. And good news, man, Thor and and, and, and Ivan are back in town. And uh, let's start there. What an ordeal for both of these international kids to to wait, to wait, and then wait some more and finally get back. But they look, they both look like they're in pretty good shape, ready to get hit the ground running, Jacob. Yeah, and I can't imagine what it must have been like when – when all this started and they're worried about getting home to their families. And then once they get there, they realize, wait, am I going to be able to go back? Uh, as things kind of got worse and spread across the world. And they, they did kind of run into some difficulties there with kind of the, the limited travel from country to country. And, but um, kind of patient, it's not like they were really missing out on a whole lot. I mean, the workouts just started last Monday, so they didn't miss out too much of the actual uh, basketball stuff, but yeah, now they're able to get here to Lincoln. Obviously, we, I think anybody who's paying attention, social media has seen kind of the work that Ivan Widrago has been putting in there. Um, before they dropped about 25 pounds, and he's looking a lot, uh, a lot more bouncy than he did last season. Um, and uh, I think it's uh, he's just taking advantage of. Um, this kind of quarantine situation in the best way possible. And that's huge for him because obviously last year they really had no chance or no uh, option other than to play him about as much as they could. They didn't really have much depth at center. This year you got Derek Walker coming off that red shirt and more experienced guy who's going to be one of the team leaders. 
Um, so playing time at the five is going to be tougher to come by this year. So it'll, it'll be good to have those two kind of pushing each other as uh, workouts and practices get started. Jacob Adilis with us. Uh, some thoughts on Husker Hoops. Uh, the mayor and company gearing up for a hopeful 2020-2021. So let's, let's look at that, that dynamic between Walker and uh, Wade Drago. Give me a, a thought here with, with, from a style and, I guess, strength here. With, with Walker, what's he going to do for Nebraska in the paint? And with a new reshaped Ivan, you know what? Where where can his game grow? What what do you think he can become offensively? I mean, and defensively he'll move around and he's he's thick. He'll always be good in the paint, banging. But yeah. you know, give me a thought here. What what are some of the the A and the Bs here, option wise for Nebraska offensively and defensively with both these guys down low? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of what uh, Derek Walker's game look like because. Two years uh, at Tennessee, he didn't. He wasn't a huge part of what they did. Uh, and I kind of looked at, uh, did a while back, um, kind of a breakdown on how he was used at Tennessee. And there wasn't a whole lot of offensive versatility there. He was mostly used as kind of like a dump-off guy. Um, just a guy in the half court that's hanging around the rim, catches and finishes, runs the floor, putbacks here and there, that kind of stuff. Um, so, first of all, though, that, that stuff is important um, in Nebraska's spread-out system where you've got um, guards trying to make plays off the dribble. Excuse me. Um, and you need, because the guys last year, Ivan and Charles and Kevin Cross at times and some of the other guys, I don't know how many times you've got kind of those dump off passes that Nebraska, Nebraska just wasn't able to convert. So it'll be important to have a guy that you know can catch and finish strong around the basket and has good enough touch to get that ball into the basket. Um, so I think that first and foremost is kind of where he's going to help. And then we'll have to see kind of how he's expanded his game over the last year of working out, because I know he has been working on his jump shot. Um, we'll see kind of how much of that translates to game situations, but that's something they've been working on with him. They've been working on that post game to kind of give an option where he can be more of an individual scorer than a guy that relies on others. So um, that, that's kind of the exciting thing, I think, mm-hmm. about a lot of this roster is you've got three guys that were sitting out last year um, that Nebraska was excited about when they got, and now they spend an entire year just in the gym working on their games, helping the other team get ready. So we'll have to see what Shamil Stevenson, what Derek Walker, and, uh, and what Delano Banton look like after a year in the lab with Fred Hoiberg and his assistants. Jacob Bedilla talking some Oscar hoops with us. Hail Varsity Radio. Let's talk Banton here. What what does the hype look like? I mean, what's uh What's what's a what's a wow season for him? I mean, how high is that ceiling for for what he needs to do for Nebraska? Yeah, and that's I'm still trying to like settle in on what what's I a fair think number right should be for yeah. him because he's um, they've spoken very highly of him and there's a big role out there for him. But we saw Western Kentucky. Um, he was just kind of a flash player. Um, his, the numbers are very, uh, um, very nondescript. And so, um, and he'll have a chance here at Nebraska to, to be a, um, one of their, their primary ball handlers and playmakers. And um, obviously the, the jump shot is something that needs a lot of work. I think just the strength is something that needs a lot, a lot of work, allow him to kind of finish better around the basket and, uh, be stronger defensively and all those type of things. So there are a lot of things you need to work on to be able to be a consistent uh, producer. And 
that's what Nebraska needs of him. So hopefully he's one of those guys that really did attack the weight room, attack the, the practice sessions, the skill work um, last year, and is able to come in and be a difference maker right away as a redshirt sophomore because um, the opportunity is there. And we, we've seen Fred Hoiberg be very successful with non-traditional playmakers like a Royce White, like George Niang, some of these other guys that aren't necessarily small ball handling traditional point guards, but have the ability um, to take advantage of kind of their their length and their athleticism and um, their skill set, depending on the guy, to, to make plays for themselves and others. And that's kind of what Hoiberg is hoping that uh, Banton can be here. Give me a thought on, on Shamil and, and, of course, Teddy Allen. I know Teddy can score, but in what ways has Teddy's game grown to score different ways? And then Role-wise, I mean, what's what's a what's a point total that Shamil would be happy with, but also would help the team? Yeah, that's that's kind of the most interesting thing I think overall with this team is kind of the versatility and the options Hoiberg has, kind of at that three and four spot. When you've got Teddy Allen, you've got Shamil Stevenson, you've got Thorier Thorby Arnarson, you've got Latman, you've got like legitimate four guys there. I think that any any of them could end up starting for this team. Um, and that doesn't even include a call of rope who mm-hmm. um, has been working on his game and uh, trying to continue to improve his skill set. And he's one of the best athletes on the team. So they've got a lot of depth, a lot of options that Horber can turn to there. And I'm not at this point, I'd have a hard time kind of fleshing out what I think <laughs> the starting five is going to look like right now. Um, but I would not be surprised at all if Teddy Allen came in and led the team in scoring. I think he's got, that kind of ability, and especially now with um, it, him appearing to have rediscovered his three-point shot just based on the way he played at um, Western Nebraska, um, that that was something that he didn't really have that freshman year at West Virginia. They, they didn't really want him shooting the ball, um, but even so, he was able to get in there and really produce offensively. His points per minute, he was like putting up 20 like points per whatever, like um, he was a really good scorer, uh, even in that limited role. So now you add two years of development, two years of continuing to improve that skill set, find that confidence in that jump shot. He could be come in and be a guy that does put up kind of in the mid-teens scoring-wise right away as, as, as a first-year player in this program. And I think they're going to have a lot of other guys that will be contributors. I don't necessarily know who else is going to be a big-time scorer. I think it could end up being pretty balanced. And Stevenson is a guy that could fit into that mold as a guy who's not necessarily going to score 14, 16 points a game, but um, is going to knock down the open shot, is going to finish in transition, and is going to be one of your best rebounders. And actually, I think that kind of describes Latmayen as well, who's got a completely different body type, but can bring some of the same things as kind of a longer guy um, who can rebound the ball and shoot from the perimeter. So they've got some options. It's, uh, he's got a chance to kind of throw uh, a few very different looks out there. You add Banton in there. If you're starting him at the point, and you've got uh, Allen at the three or four. You've got Mann out there at 6'9", at the four. Like You've got some options there to throw out some really long lineups that also have the skill that maybe the team was lacking last year. Jacob Adil is with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine, talking Husker Hoops at Jacob Adil underscore Jacob, about 90 seconds here. But the the way you've ballparked this, I mean, there's reason to be as tough as last year was. Uh, you, you flip the page and, wow, I mean, it sounds like if it can come together, chemistry-wise, Nebraska sounds pretty loaded. 
Yeah, and again, there's, there's a lot of guys that still have to prove a lot. Um, we, we saw last year, I was excited about some of the pieces last mm-hmm. year, and it just never came together. But I think the guys they've got now are a little bit more highly touted, a little bit more proven, um, depending on what you're looking at um, for each of them. And now it's year two of Hoiberg and Lincoln. Um, we saw last year he kind of already introduced his system, and now it's about building on that and um, just kind of building up the skill level and um, taking advantage of hopefully better players that they're able to bring in the program this year. And it, I think it's really going to rely on kind of those three um, set out transfers mm-hmm. to kind of lead the way along with um, a guy like Thor um, as a guy who really kind of um, hit the ground running within the system last year and became a valuable player for the program. So it's going to be those guys um, that Hoiberg's going to rely on early on, and then I think you'll be able to see these newcomers come in and make a difference as well, kind of following in their lead. You know, quick yes or no, about 15 seconds. Is there a team as versatile as Nebraska out there in the Big Ten? I haven't started looking at the, the Big Ten mm-hmm. quite yet in terms of all the rosters, everybody um, that's coming back. But um, just in terms of versatile, versatility and kind of balance, one through 13 or whatever, uh, I'd, I'd have, uh, be hard-pressed to find somebody else with that kind of roster. Jacob, it was fun to chat, man. We'll do this next week. Thanks for a few minutes today. appreciate your time. Yep. Always fun. Awesome, man. Good stuff. Jacob Bedella, talking some Oscar hoops. Mayor and Coach Abdel Massey and company. Man, what a roster looks good. That paper's got to find hardwood, and I think it could. We'll uh, hit some NFL on the way next. Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Brad Edwards coming up, Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Excited, uh, we'll run down Cedric Golden and Steve Warren tomorrow. Brad Edwards, 20 minutes away. George Darlington coming up. And uh, we are out to some special folks uh, on Thursday. Excited about that. I uh, just got word back that we will have Michael Franzis on next Tuesday. Former Colombo crime boss. He is part of uh, Netflix. And um, the the new Netflix series that is out, it's a three-parter. And <laughs> yeah, I binged through it last night fear city about the uh, mafia in new york in the 70s and 80s and our uh, our old pal michael franzese going to be back with us next week 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865 so let's get into this question then damon you jump in here let's let's say leagues are looking at Major League Baseball, and the the Marlins are in in timeout, thankfully, through Sunday. And it sounds like we're going to get the Yanks back in action here end of the week, same with the Phillies, but you've had one team with several thousands of tests, one team get it and have kind of wildfires spread through it. One team out of of the, the, the other 29. So we, we need some more clarity as to how, where, and when the Marlins became infected. And then we, we laid out for you the lack of someone taking charge to shut it down Sunday. Because they don't play Sunday, 
then there may not be the free count. Okay. So you have the NHL that, that has hub cities, Toronto and Edmonton. The NFL is not gone that route. I think they will. I think at some point they will. Or they're going to try to. I think they have to. And then you know what's happening in college football. I mean, the a lot of the coaches take is is this. Hey, look, kids may get it through football, but they're sure as hell going to get it if they're going to Animal House on, on fraternity or sorority row on a weekend. And I'm sure, Damon, you've frequented a, a toga party or two, and it's a hell of a good time, but a better time when there's no COVID. Right. Definitely a, a spreading ground for any sort of <laughs> disease you could imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, the NFL thing, I, I think it will come down to they'll play in a few stadiums here and there in the country. Uh, there's no fans this season. Have they have they said that yet? I'm, I'm not so sure on the, the rules they put forth right now. I think it depends on your city. Okay, it depends on your city. Like, if you're a Giants or Jets player, right. no, no one's showing up. So, so if there's no fans, I don't think the home stadium's going to differ the experience for m- most teams. So they might as well put them all in one or two cities and have mm-hmm. them go out of there. there. There's a theory out there as well with the Marlins, and I know I've been kind of pissy with the players. Um there's a theory out there now that, that maybe one of the umpires had it. So, ump can't be rolling in, doing his thing, and then putting the mask on. The ump's got to be very regimented as well. So, <laughs> if an ump gave it to the players, where'd the ump get it? Was it just flying in? Did, did he caught it? Was it, let's go clubbing or drive through uh, strip joint chicken wings type deal? My question is this. Would the NFL players be able to deal with being placed in a bubble? That's my question. How would they, how would they deal with it? It's much different than the NBA because the rosters are so Smaller. much. Yeah. I mean, they're not really comparable. It would be very difficult to corral so many players into one space there'd be guys that would freak out being told what to do where to be and what they can't do but the nfl's already taken a step saying look if if you're exhibiting unsafe behavior we are going to fine you so they've already put the warning out so the the water the the lines in the water here with the nfl like if you're going to be jacking around (laughs) And and you're not safe and you're not staying away from outside contact, we're going to fine you. And then once we find you, we may take the next step and just hub city you or bubble you. And so I wanted to ask you about this. So if you're the best quarterback in the NFL, at least the youngest best quarterback in the NFL, and you're a, a Super Bowl MVP, and you just signed a deal for half a billion dollars. Where do you invest some of your money? Uh, local sports. Local sports. You buy a sportscasters club spot, and you're happy. Oh, sorry. 
<laughs> that was just a shameless radio take uh, when it comes to, to high school sports coverage on KFOR and KLMS. What I am saying is this. Patrick Mahomes says, yep, I really do like Kansas City. I am putting my money where my mouth is. He is uh, part of the now new ownership group for the Royals. The Royals announcing he's got partial ownership. And uh, Mahomes spent a lot of time in clubhouses as a kid. And I'll say this, and Mahomes, we were down here for this game. We were like from me to you to Mahomes. We took Junior down for a Yanks-Royals game. It was cool. Junior was stalking uh, Aaron Judge. But Mahomes threw out the first pitch. And Mahomes was down there with his girlfriend and Good people. I mean, just very pleasant, very polite. And then he, he threw out the first pitch. He's kind of surrounded. So Junior was not able to go, like, just look sad and, hey, sign this for me. Uh, didn't happen that way. But, I mean, Mahomes, listen, uh, I I wouldn't only spend money to, to be partial owner because, I mean, look at, look at your wealth. You buy a sports franchise and then that thing triples – or better in 10 years. I mean, look at the value. Ask, look at Jordan's net worth. This is even after a $150 million divorce. Jordan gets in with the Charlotte ownership group. And now Jordan's already loaded, but he's billionaire near. That's why Jeter bought in, right? You look at Bill Maher with the Mets. You have A-Rod and J-Lo looking to, to purchase a, a pro team because they just, they've run out of room to, Throw their money. So Mahomes is is put in. He's he's part owner of the Royals. Can can you get him on the mound? He was drafted by Detroit in 2014. His dad pitched in over 300 games. I would just go Bo Jackson. Embrace your inner Bo, Mahomes. Play football. Play baseball. And there's a lot of Royals fans here that. Now, the Chiefs wouldn't be down with elbow or arm issues. Give me give me two innings a, a week. Run out of the bullpen. We'll see what you can throw, brother. But this is cool. This is absolutely awesome that Mahomes now stepping up and investing. It'll pay off for him as well. We'll wind down hour one next. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Hour one in the books. Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Some things we hit on. Juco Juice. What can Juco's do for Nebraska in 2020? Some major players for the Big Red. Four kids that could contribute and make this thing uh, pretty impressive in 2020 for Nebraska. Jacob Padilla on the hoops side of things. Some, uh, Some thoughts on the Big Red on the hardwood, and then we spent some time on Mahomes and COVID and MLB. Brad Edwards, get his take on the schedule drop, when that happens, how it happens, and what will happen. And, uh, you know, does this football season depend on the SEC moving forward? George Darlington, longtime Nebraska assistant, a uh, great coach in the secondary, also coached defensive ends, a uh, big-time recruiter. Coach George going to be with us in hour two. 466 
825-5865. Numbers to get in. We will no doubt figure out what Damon Barr is doing for his Tuesday night. We always uh, check in with Damon and say what's happening with Damon because Damon's uh, he's active, man. He's busy. He's either having Wine Wednesday or he's doing something that, well, when we're 21, we'd all like to be doing. And that's just having a safe, responsible, good old time. You can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Now, I want to remind you about drinking and driving. Not a good idea ever to do so. But uh, the thing that is reality about drinking and driving, one out of three fatal crashes involves an impaired driver that's either drunk buzzed or high and that's never acceptable law enforcement officers working around the clock to stop with sobriety checkpoints and saturation patrols as a driver make that correct choice a non-alcoholic drink or a pre-selected designated driver be smart start the conversation who's driving home brought to you by the nebraska department of highway safety office so uh, we've laid out some things with uh, the Marlins. They are on vacation. Kidding. Till the uh, Sunday. Time out, thankfully. Ohio State is in with their edict and their mandate. That's going to be socially distant. It's going to be wearing masks in Ohio Stadium. And it is going to be capped at 20,000. That's Ohio State's edict. Good on them. If they're having an edict on fans in the stands, that must mean there's football. I can only hope. But think about this. I mean, that's a that's a hundred and five thousand. Hundred and five thousand, you're down to twenty thousand. You're twenty percent. A little less than. Just a shade. Is my math right on that? Damon's like, <laughs> loser. Yeah, it is. So we'll try and answer some questions about football uh, with Brad Edwards of ESPN coming up. Uh, Find us and follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio Uh, for Chris Schmidt at Damon Barr. That's two R's is where you follow Damon on Twitter. And be sure to check out ESPNLincoln.com, the on-demand section, the interviews, the segments you want to hear, the podcast also on iTunes and HaleVarsity.com and some of the SoundCloud snippets. And full interviews, uh, follow ESPN Lincoln on Twitter and always uh, follow Hale Varsity on Twitter. Hour two coming up. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for hanging out. Hour two, it's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr. We have been able to get caught up with Brad Edwards, college football insider, ESPN, uh, college football man, game day. And Brad, it sounds like you're getting dinner. Is that fair? Yeah, you know, we love these organic interviews. And I think a couple weeks ago you caught me right, in, uh, right as I had finished doing something. And, and now um, I'm, I'm in the drive-thru lane. 
and uh, about to order dinner. Uh, the, the line is going slow. I was expecting to be through and have my food by the time I got this call, but um, you know, it's uh, it's live radio. Stuff happens. No, it'll be fun. And if you need to pause and talk <laughs> to somebody, you just go right ahead. This will be a party. <laughs> Uh, I'm not taking requests for the order, by the way. No, I know you're not. I'm going to get what I want to get. So are are we going grilled or spicy or regular, and are you a pickle guy? Just regular. Okay. Regular with pickles, yep. That's my thing. And and you know what? Since it's like 97 degrees here right now, I think I'm going to get a chocolate shake on top of it. You do that. You do that. Brad Edwards with us in the drive-thru lane, Hail Varsity Radio. Now, and... Listen, I, I kind of put the, the, the brakes on with Junior because he'll shake me down and want me to take him through where you're at for drive through okay? And, and, yeah. I'll, and I'll have a simple request. Did you win? And if they didn't win, we, we go somewhere else. <laughs> Brad's thinking you're a That's, horrible uh, parent. <laughs> I, yeah, I was going to say, I'm not, I'm not sure what, what that says about parenting, but okay. <laughs> Hey, uh, let's, incentivizing. Yes, right, right. Incentivizing. I got to get your thoughts here, uh, Brad. Your reaction to to what happened with the Marlins and what's what's the effect? Is there going to be a, a a negative effect with college football and the in the powers and the decision makers here moving forward? It's hard to believe that there wouldn't be. I mean, I think the biggest thing is how it ultimately gets resolved and how much of a setback it is to the season uh, for the Marlins and and MLB uh, on the whole, because it just seems inevitable that something similar to this will happen with a college football team. And, um, you know, when it does, what does it mean? Um, Are they able to, you know, postpone and reschedule a game or, does it end up not being played? And if it's not played, what does that mean? Is it a forfeit or does mm-hmm. you know, that team and the opponent just have one fewer game than everyone else? Does it end up being two games? I mean, the, you know, the standard seems to be 14-day quarantine. So um, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, just, it's so tough. So many questions you have to answer. All right, here we, here we go. Here we right. go. You ready? Yeah. All right. Are we rolling? We're rolling. Um, can I get, uh, please get two Chick-fil-A sandwiches? Just the sandwiches, Just the sandwiches with pickles and a large chocolate shake, please. Will that be all? That'll be it. Would you like to say hello to the people in Nebraska I'm talking to? Sure. Hi. Hey, there you how go. are you? Wonderful. I'm from Southington, Connecticut. <laughs> all right. All the way from um, Connecticut. No, thanks. <laughs> Did you get extra sauce? Sure, it's Brad. All right, Brad, you're going to be down there with Caitlin. Awesome. Thank you. Take care. That that was uh, that was Lola, by the way. Lola's Lola is is impeccable with uh, not only the kindness but also just making sure this thing went through. Good good work. All right, this is this is Caitlin I'm talking to now. Okay. Is, Are you with that? You're, it's 9:30. Okay, thank you. All right, you're you're on the radio, by the way. So oh, really? You know. Yep, in Nebraska. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that is cool. See, she's excited about it. Are See? you telling them about our six experience? Uh, I'm telling them about my experience. Oh, yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I think everyone's excited about the chocolate shake. Oh, yes, so. it's yes. Very good. yes. All right, okay. Thank you. All right, there we go. Brad, that was I, money. I, I think you nailed it. Yeah. You know what? It took a long time to get there, but once I did, the the uh, 
you know, it, it was very efficient. I got to say this. I am like you, and I, and I, I, I go with the, the two chicken sandwiches as well. Instead of the fries and the other stuff, and just give me two chicken sandwiches. Yeah, no, that's that's what I do. Uh, instead of fries, I get two sandwiches. And just so happened today, I was so busy, I didn't have time to eat lunch. So this is lunch and dinner together. Okay. So uh, so there we go. Last thought on the sandwich discussion point. Are you a double yeah. sauce guy or not? No, I don't put any sauce on it. Um, normally, if, if we weren't in the middle of moving yeah, um, and, um, and and currently without a refrigerator because of it, I would say that uh, I would normally start stocking up on sauces for my wife. My wife, well, my wife and my daughter, they stockpile them. Yes. Um, but but I didn't get I didn't ask for any today for them just because we have we have no place to put them and they'll end up getting hot and it yeah. just doesn't sound good. No, that's good. No, that 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 makes sense. Brad Edwards in a drive-through with us, Hale Varsity Radio. So we're talking <laughs> some college football. We're talking dinner as Brad's doing the drive-through part of things. Does the ACC, do they make an announcement tomorrow? Or I got to ask you this, Brad, is, is the rest of the college football world waiting on the SEC? Did they, once the SEC says we're playing, does everything follow suit? I don't, I don't get the sense that people are waiting on the SEC. Um, and, you know, I saw Bob's Bowles, Bob Bowlesby said, you um, it was yesterday or, or Sunday, you know, that, that he doesn't expect everyone to be on the same page. And uh, I don't either. I haven't for quite some time. Uh, you know, that there, there could be different numbers of games played, uh, even within one conference. I think for the most part, you know, the, I mean, obviously the conferences will stay on the same page as far as how many league games there are, at least initially, for every team. Whether that becomes flexible once everything gets started, you could end up with one team and, and you know, one conference playing nine and another team in the same conference playing eight I mean, that, that's entirely possible depending on you know what they do when these virus numbers start to peak but um uh that's the way that uh that i would expect it to go but i am not not by any means expecting you know the the pac-12 to play the same number of games overall as the fcc or even close thank you very much we have a touchdown we have delivery we do. We, i have scored now we can we can Damon jump in here. Do you need to put the straw in the chocolate shake? I do. Yes, I do. So but, we're gonna, but you know what? I'm not much of a multitasker, but I can do that while I drive. Well, I just was making sure you're good. Brad Edwards, college football insider with us, ESPN.com, uh, and in college game day, he has successfully gone the, through the drive-through. He's gotten dinner, two chicken sandwiches. <laughs> And uh, he's got a chocolate shake. So yep. when it comes to the the, uh, the scheduling model, does it make the most sense? I know we spent a little time on this last week, but with, uh, with the ACC, I'm thinking, Brad, they go nine plus one so they can get some of these in-state showdowns. Yep. Uh, and, and also the, the, the Notre Dame factor. I mean, the ACC knows Notre Dame needs games, and Notre Dame knows that the ACC wants some TV money, so I think they could, they could partner. Can the Big 12 pull off 12? Because you look at Oklahoma, they've moved up to week zero, and they're going to kick off on August 29th. Do you think that the Big 12 will be the one league that tries to go 
for more than 10? Uh, I, I think the SEC still wants to go for more than 10. Okay. We'll, we'll see how that shakes out and what their options are. But, yeah, I was, I was caught off guard with that announcement by Oklahoma. You know, I, that was a game that I expected them to get rid of and uh, to, to be, you know, determined to play it um, was a little bit surprising. And, uh, yeah, and, and, you know, when you, when you look at that schedule, I mean, you figure, okay, if there's, if there's one non-conference game Oklahoma would want to keep, it would be the Tennessee game. Right. And so the fact that they've done this leads me to believe that, that they want to play uh, at least 11. So you're looking at the non-conference plus two. Um, you know, and, and if you're going to do that, you might as well just try to play them all. So I, where, where it'll end up landing, I don't know. But, um, but I, I, yeah, I, I don't get the sense that either the Big 12 or the SEC, and I think I said this to you last week and I still feel the same way, I don't think anything's happened within the last seven days, or six days I guess it was since we last talked, um, that has caused either conference to completely give up on, on the idea of playing 12. I think they're still holding out hope that that could happen. Do we get a Notre Dame-Alabama kickoff in Atlanta? Do you think both both parties are moving that way? I know there was some talk about that about a week ago. I, I don't think so. Um, you know, they, they have a home-and-home home schedule with each other coming up pretty soon. Uh, I can't remember exactly which, which two years, but it, it's coming up soon. And um, I... I just I don't get the sense that's the direction it's going. You know, for Notre Dame, uh, I think they're going to end up playing, um, you know, a, a bunch of ACC games. You know, basically becoming a member of the conference for this season, and they have Arkansas scheduled out of conference. So uh, I would think that they would play that game. Um, obviously, not not the same as playing Alabama if you're going to play an SEC team. But but because Arkansas was already on the schedule. Um, I would think that they would they would keep that one. So if the ACC, including Notre Dame, if they're all basically playing, you know, nine conference games plus one, I would think that that's the direction that Notre Dame would go. And, and look, I, I I think I think Notre Dame is going to make every effort to play Navy as well if they still can. Um, so um, yeah, I I just I don't know where Alabama would fit. I I, I can only see Notre Dame something like Notre Dame-Alabama happening if Notre Dame is trying to play 12 games. And, and at this point, I'd be surprised if they're thinking that way. Sounds like they're going to try and get Florida State up to South Bend as part of the ACC. I'm wondering, with Notre Dame and the way they're navigating as part of the ACC this year, where they are eligible for a conference championship game, again, getting way ahead of ourselves, I wonder if they reshuffle the deck a bit, Brad, and we don't see Clemson, Notre Dame in the regular season, do you think that's yeah. potentially on the chopping block? Yeah, I do. You know, if, look, the, now look, I, I mean, I, I guess if, if you're Notre Dame, you don't want to give up a home game with Clemson. But in an environment where you're not going to be able to have many fans and, and potentially none in the stands, depending on how things go, um, what difference does it really make where the game is played? I mean, is it, does it matter that it's a home game if, if you can't have fans there? Uh, so, you know, maybe that wouldn't be a, that big of a deal to give up the Clemson game for that reason, and especially if you're in a scenario where you could get a chance 
to play them in a conference championship game if, if that's the way that it would end up playing out. So, uh, and that would solve the problem for Clemson of having to choose between Notre Dame and South Carolina. And, and look, I mean, for, for Notre Dame, what they don't want is a, is a deal where they could potentially get left out of the national championship, or excuse me, left out of the playoff, um, and especially, you know, be undefeated and get left out of the playoff. And I think if you're talking about a scenario where they don't play Clemson because Clemson's going to play South Carolina out of, out of the league and they're not eligible to play for the ACC title, if that's the way it was going to work out, I could envision a schedule for Notre Dame where they could go undefeated, and if there are, you know, four undefeated teams from, from you know, Power Five leagues, then that Notre Dame schedule would probably be the weakest of all of them if they didn't play Clemson. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know that that is where Notre Dame wants to be, where they could potentially go unbeaten and have a schedule that's not strong enough to get into the playoff even with that. Uh, it's still hard to believe that Notre Dame could be left out with a zero in the loss column, but if you look at who else they would have played, there there wouldn't be anything in there. I mean, look, if you lose Clemson, you lose USC, uh, who, who have you really beat, um, especially if you're adding on some of these other ACC teams? So um, that, that, you know, that, that to me is one of the intriguing things as we kind of look forward and, uh, and and see what the ACC ends up doing. All right, Brad, we will stop football. You have got to go get some nourishment. You got a big move tomorrow. <laughs> Were you able to, to get uh, all of the furniture you wanted moved out and sold? Because we're kind of, we just yes. put a new floor in yesterday for the dogs because they're spoiled. And uh, some of the stuff that I've grown up with and crashed out on i.e. my couches they have been sold out from underneath me so i'm wondering how you're dealing (laughs) um yeah no i'm good um there weren't any pieces that i had an emotional attachment to (laughs) so i'm i'm happy to move on look i i've i've got a condo on a golf course now so you could take away my bed let make me sleep on the floor and i'm good you know i i get to look out on the golf course that's my backyard so i'm a happy guy Condo and golf course for the win. Brad Edwards has endured the drive-through. He's endured the football questions, and he's getting ready for a move tomorrow. Brad, you, you stay safe and healthy. Best to you. Thanks for jumping on. We'll talk again soon. Life is good. Thanks, Chris. Take care. There he is. Brad's like, shut up and let me eat my sandwich. I have, <clears throat> I've had that happen before where there's been drive-through. And bless their soul, they are a, a high school sports sponsorship here in town. The good folks, where Brad was uh, shopping, doing the drive through He had a long, uncomfortable pause when I told him that it depended on if Junior won or had a good day at the, di- at the dish, whether or not where, where I took him for drive through That's true. I'm not a, hey, let's go get ice cream when you lose, or you have 13 errors at third, or you strike out with the bases full four times. I love you, but it's just motivation. All right, George Darlington, Husker standout uh, for a lot of years as a coach and recruiter. Coach is next. He's in his 30s. 
but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome in the Hall of Fame coach uh, with Nebraska, longtime assistant uh, George Darlington with us. Coach, how's your Tuesday going? Well, not bad. It's a beautiful day, not so humid, so we have to be thankful for that. I, I got you. I was talking to Coach McBride yesterday, and he uh uh, I, I said, so these days where, you know, you're getting closer to camp and it's hot and steamy, uh, were those bears to get through or did you did you navigate okay? I'll ask you the same thing. I always remember seeing footage of you with your Chi-Chi Rodriguez hat on, man, keeping that sun out of your eyes. Well, I, I learned that from coaches in California. Plus, I was getting uh, my ears burned. <laughs> and realize, hey, you better start wearing a golf hat. I know uh, our buddy at uh, Alabama and a lot of schools in the South wear golf hats because of the, I'm sure, the same thing. I mean, it's just uh, stupid not to. You don't want to oh, yeah. get a problem with your ears. But one thing about the coming of August and you know the weather is going to be crappy, and <laughs> and you get ready to persevere. And of course, uh, we used to have situations where you had double days every day, and then they've modified that tremendously, where you could only have uh, a single and then a double. And of course, they can have an unbelievable number of meetings mm-hmm. with the players, which uh, kind of offset it, but. Uh, Physical grind is not the same. Many camps going on for Nebraska. Some teams in the Big Ten have, have had to pause those, and Rutgers is one of them, Michigan State the other, and I, I just saw today that Iowa basketball's had to pause workouts as well. Are you pretty optimistic that we're going to get some football? And I know you don't have a crystal ball, but – as you look at things, are, are you feeling like, okay, by the end of this week we should have some sort of schedule? No, really, because of what's happening in baseball, of all things. The uh, uh, Marlins uh, had all those people test positive, and, you know, there's no close uh, proximity in baseball except between the catcher and the batter, mm-hmm. et cetera. And that's uh, really frightening. Because if uh, you have an outbreak in a sport where you're pretty much separated, uh, what's going to happen in football? And, uh, of course, then you have the problem that uh, you've got 90,000 people in Nebraska that have joined clubs, is my understanding, to buy season tickets. Well, how are you going to tell some of them you can't... uh, you can't uh, come to the games, even though you've kind of been held up to join the club so you can buy tickets. Now, I'm really concerned because, uh, and maybe a week ago I didn't think so, but, uh, you know, if you have uh, players getting uh, the virus, uh, and I guess Rutgers isn't allowing any fans this year, is my understanding. 
and I was planning to go back to the Rutgers-Nebraska game because I graduated from there and would have a chance to see ex-teammates and kids I coached my first two years. So uh, that's those plans are kind of put on hold, to say the least. George Darlington's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, longtime assistant at Nebraska. Coach, when you talk about fans, the, the clubs... Oh yeah, the uh, go a little further the, in the depth with that. Is, well, if you buy season tickets, as my understanding, great percentage of the people have to join the club to have the right to buy tickets, and that was instituted, I think, by Bill Byrne years ago, and then uh, it was modified the last year or two by uh, when Mike Riley was here because. They couldn't give away tickets in the upper level, and they took some of those requirements. But my understanding, a great percentage of people to get tickets must join a support club or a booster club. Gotcha. And maybe everybody in the stands. And then uh, if that's the case, and then it comes out, well, only 30,000 people are allowed to come to the first game. Well, wait a minute. I've been giving for years. Mm-hmm. Why can't I go to the game? So it's a real mess, as we all all know. And I, I don't have a solution to it. I, the only thing I would say is let everybody come and use the uh, thermometer coming in the gate. And if you your your temperature is up, you're not allowed to come to the game. And then also, if you or an old person like me, they may discourage you from coming to the mm-hmm. coming to the games. And then, how do you handle the press box? How do you handle the uh, eating areas upstairs where uh, people congregate before the game? So they've got real issues, to say the least. But what's happening now with the the Marlins uh, testing so many players positive? Well, wait a minute, that sport shouldn't be a problem. We have Little League and baseball going on in Nebraska right now, and occasionally a uh, case of uh, corona, but but uh, not really uh, stopping the uh, baseball playoffs you Co- know, around the state. Coach, what do, you, what do you think the number may be for for capacity at Memorial Stadium? I saw... Ohio State's going to go twenty thousand. That's what they're going to cap it at. Do you have an, Do you have a guess at all for Nebraska? Well, I just think it's going to be a mess, regardless. Sure. I mean, if Ohio State Stadium they're only letting twenty thousand in, that uh, that's got to that's a, they they see close to a hundred, I think. One oh five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the last time I was there, it was. We played against them and lost on the last play of the game when I was at Marshall. But oh. uh, uh, the uh, you know that's just uh, uh, doesn't still include the problem of uh, I'm up across the line of scrimmage from you and or I tackle you and uh, we're face to face belly-to-belly <laughs> with other people. Yeah. Uh, what's going to happen on Tuesday of that week if half the team tests positive for corona? 
No game, no uh, no action. George Darlington's with us. Coach, uh, as we look at the, the defense for 2020, are you uh, a little more optimistic about the, the defense maybe having a little bit better year? A lot, of, a lot of guys with experience back in the secondary, and that front seven will be different on the line, but it sounds like there's some more depth and some more options for the defensive guys uh, and, and maybe some, some more opportunity for rotation. Well, before talking about the defense, I think that one thing that we have to all hope if we have a season of 10 or 12 games is to have a great leap forward success-wise mm-hmm. because uh, we have a very difficult schedule initially. And the other thing is that uh, the truism, you have to win two of the three elements to normally win, Uh, offense, defense, and kicking. We were horrible in the kicking game last year except for uh, punting and uh, probably rightfully lost two or three uh, games just in the kicking game. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other thing is, regardless of who's uh, playing and you hope the talent is greatly improved on defense, you've got to commit to stop the run. You can't try to be a master of everything and to be so poor against a run, uh, you're not going to win many games. That's a, a point of emphasis for sure for Nebraska. Be better against the run in the Big Ten, and, and there are some options uh, on that front three with some experience and then some new guys and then maybe some young guys that uh, could be ready to go. Uh, it's, it looks like, at least from the footage and the off-season stuff, that, that, that strength and size shouldn't be a problem. I, I think uh, Nebraska is getting the size that they want, and, and maybe that'll help things out, but there's quite a few uh, linebackers inside and out, uh, not only guys that are coming back, Coach, but that second level's got to be better. And, and how do you look at it for 2020 with some of the kids they have uh, coming in? Well, there's no question they must greatly improve uh, linebacker play. Uh, we had nice kids that played last year. They tried hard, but they just weren't very talented. Uh, so that those areas are really a concern. You've got to get corners that can cover and uh, allow you to overload the box to stop the run. Um, you know, we should be better at corner on paper. But, uh, uh, that you know, all those things are kind of question marks because you didn't have spring ball. Yeah. And that makes it hard for the coaches and for the young players who – uh, many of them you hope have uh, taken, uh, uh, you know, physical growth and and athletic improvement, and uh, so we we just have a tremendous number of question marks going into the season, and we have a lot of names and a lot of people that you um, you hope will do well, and uh, try to sort out who these men are, and then go from there. You know, we had. You just uh, we weren't very talented on defense physically, and nothing to take away from kids' attitudes or anything. We just weren't very talented. There were too many kids that belonged playing one double A that were starting, and 
and uh, you know you just can't match up if uh, if you're limited physically, regardless of the uh, attitude. More from George Darlington. Good thoughts from him on Nebraska football as we look at 2020. Reminder about Taste of the Rail Yard. Free samples for you with local breweries and wineries. Get signed up. The railyard.com is where you log on and get your tickets. August 8th, August 29th. Two nights. Taste of the Rail Yard. A lot of great local wineries and breweries. You know it around Nebraska. And get, uh, get your fill. Uh, 3 o'clock is the start time, August 8th and 29th. And uh, live music, Lemon Fresh Day, Shoot to Thrill, Be Down in the Rail Yard. Taste of the Rail Yard, August 8th and 29th. TheRailYard.com is where you sign up. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. George Darlington's with us. Uh, a few more minutes talking uh, Nebraska football. Coach, was there, was there ever a year that you went in that you were nervous about your talent level matching up or was it more just about an experience level trying to step in and, and kind of reload at some key positions because uh, during your time at Nebraska I mean you guys always recruited well and there really wasn't much of a drop off at least you ended up with nine wins or more <laughs> I mean it wasn't easy but you guys made it look pretty easy well the thing is the uh, Nebraska blueprint which uh Scott's reinstituting, uh, getting the repetition to a lot of players, have people come out of the woodwork, so to speak, uh, and uh, get tremendous number of reps uh, were helpful. The, the worst year we had defensively was, uh, uh, I think, 83 when the scoring explosion was here. And uh, we were in the 70s total defense. and. The next year, we were first mm-hmm. with pretty much the same kids. Uh, sure. We just played a lot of younger players, and, of course, our offense scored all the time. <laughs> so we were on the field a lot. But uh, And we won 10 or 11 or 12 games that year, but lost the national championship. But people don't realize the next year, with most of those same kids, we were actually statistically first in the nation on defense. So, um, you know, hopefully a lot of these young kids, uh, the problem is we miss spring ball, Mm -hmm. which uh, you'd have more um, intelligent answers, I guess, as to um, where some of the players are. George Darlington's with us. Hale Varsity Radio is uh, we're talking Nebraska football and uh, coach couple of guys that uh, you uh, had in your secondary that I remember and remember well. You had uh, Baron Miles and uh, Toby Wright. Toby, a ferocious safety. Baron Miles, an incredible cornerback. And uh, their boys are, are going to end up being at Nebraska. Javen Wright has been moved to an outside linebacker spot. So excited to, to see what can happen with him out there. Kind of a uh, an Ed Stewart type situation, putting him at that that middle level, and then yeah, Baron Miles Jr. He's walking on. He uh, played high school ball down at Chandler, Arizona. A uh, couple of legacies that's got to make you smile with uh, with knowing Baron and, and uh, Toby like you did. Oh, those players were 
were tremendous. You know, Barron, uh, I don't know how many years he was all pro in Canada, got drafted by the Steelers, uh, got injured and uh, didn't play any with them. But, uh, no, he was an absolute tremendous player. And uh, I laugh because I read all the time about having players with length and mm-hmm. uh, and I'm taking a little knock at him with their philosophy. <laughs> uh, Baron Miles wouldn't have played for him, I guess, but uh, he might have been the best corner I ever coached. And a lot of the corners I coached went in the first and second round of the pros. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, they all were tremendous players, but Baron was exceptional. And uh, in fact, I did a long interview with a writer from. Canada, and I guess he just kept up when he played up there, and he's coaching up there. And Toby was a tremendous hitter, tremendous player. And, uh, you know, we're all, you know, anytime uh, legacies, if you will, come back to play in Nebraska, I'm excited about it. That's wonderful. And if they have any of the uh, uh, elements and the of their dads, mm-hmm. they'll be fine additions to the team. Was it tricky to to mix in a JUCO kid with a defense? And and I ask that because it seems like when Nebraska would during your time would would bring in a JUCO kid, it 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 more times than not it worked. I guess is what I'm saying. And I think uh, specifically from an example standpoint of a, of a Farley for sure, or a Toby Wright, and I'm probably missing some other names. Uh, uh, Demario Williams is another kid that, that I think about. And uh, how, how fine a line was that to, to make the decision to go get a JUCO kid? Nebraska ended up getting a really high-profile JUCO kid last week uh, at the cornerback spot, and we'll see what he can do. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Hopefully he's as good as he's supposed to be. Well, first of all, we took very few junior college players. And when we took a junior college player, it was the fact that we felt that we had a definite need at the position. So consequently, we didn't recruit five or six junior college players every year. We normally recruited high school kids and, of course, with our walk-on program. But if we identified a need, then we tried, obviously, to get the best player in the country out of the junior college. And that was really one of the reasons we got had such great success, because we, we didn't have a we, – we identified a need, and we were blessed to find players that would fit that need. And uh, so consequently, the track record of – Junior college recruits here was exceptional. George Darlington with us, longtime assistant for Nebraska. Coach, we'll go get some Mexican food soon. How's that sound? Sounds wonderful. Coach, you take that care. Sounds wonderful, and uh, I'm looking forward to it, and thank you for having me. Got to love Coach Darlington, and uh, we sit down, and I ain't going to lie, we, we crush a lot of tacos together. <laughs> A lot of tacos, a lot of guacamole. We love it. And keep bringing the tortillas, man. He's uh, He is awesome. Good to get caught up with him. 
And coach, uh, pretty straight shooter uh, when it comes to you know where, where Nebraska's talent needs to get up to, and he thinks they could be good this year. He just hopes that we have football season. Uh, Nicole Arbach uh, announcing Iowa State's added a home game against Ball State to its 2020 fall schedule. That's set to go uh, September 12th, which is uh, good stuff. That means there's football. Uh, Bruce Feldman reporting that Lincoln Riley has agreed to a new contract through 2025. That adds two years to his current deal with the school. That's uh, pending. Pending. Uh, Board of Regents approval. And we are good to go, man. We're going to get our friends from Pick 6 Previews to join us on Thursday, which will be good. Coach Barnett's uh, also in. So, uh, a good week here on Hale Varsity Radio. Great stuff from Jacob Padilla earlier. Brad Edwards <laughs> from the drive-thru is uh, is pure gold, Jerry, as they say. We'll uh, wind down this uh, second hour. If you missed any part of the show, we encourage you to check out the podcast and log on iTunes and just ask for Hale Varsity Radio or go to HaleVarsity.com. Give us a rating. Give us a comment. Give us some feedback and doesn't cost anything for you to subscribe. We uh, appreciate you doing that. So uh, a busy one uh, with uh, Coach Darlington, Brad Edwards, Jacob Padilla today. Tomorrow, Steve Warren, Mike Babcock. Guess I got to ask Babbers first. I hope Babbers is available. And uh, who else tomorrow? Oh, yes, yeah, Cedric Golden going to be with us. So. We will find out what is in in store for Damon Barr's Wild Tuesday night next on Hale Varsity. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time on a Tuesday, Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. So I love this part of the show. Not only are we ending, and I mean, I'll be back tomorrow at 4, so... Don't take that personally. But Damon Barr is the only thing missing is a white beard and a sport coat because he may be the most interesting man. He likes rum. He's the connoisseur. It's two R's for Barr on Twitter. So, Damon Barr, what does your Tuesday night look like? Oh, man, talking to uh, to Brad today, really, it made me hungry. And so, you're going to you're gonna hit drive-thru. I, I think I'm hitting the drive-thru tonight. Uh, going to go for that double sandwich idea. Oh, yeah? Okay. I, I've always been the fry guy, but the fries never really, they, they never feel good they're afterwards. They're awesome, but they're not bottomless. Exactly. Exactly. I wish there was more. I wish I could eat a ton of fries. But uh, See, in talking with Darlington, like, I want to go eat seven avocados right now. Yeah. And just crush some some Mexican, maybe do a little taco maybe do a, Tuesday, a little taco, or or just let's just go big and get some fajitas. Oh, there we go, there we go. I'm not really, a, I'm not a fan of guac. Actually, never been a guac guy. See, my wife used to hate guacamole. Mm-hmm. Now she she'll eat it. It's okay. pretty good. But even the queso, I mean, there's there's like oh, there's a lot of really good Mexican restaurants uh-huh. in Lincoln, but there's one I swear by. Uh huh that we go to once in a while and it's great i mean uh he probably thinks different you know 
differently of me if I'm ordering one of their giant beers, <laughs> but I am. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> Get me a Modelo on tap. <laughs> the big one, senor? Yes. <laughs> the one, it, it takes half a lime? Yes. <laughs> so, okay, so you're going to do drive through mm-hmm. um, I, I may go crush a fajita or two. Okay. It's either that or go work out. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I kind of have an idea of what's going to happen. I've been pretty disciplined. Actually. Have you? Have, yes. have you been on the grind lately? Uh, I worked out both days this last weekend. There you go. Now my workout compared to your workout, you or listener workout is apples and oranges, my friend. But it's something. There you go. I'm doing so, you're going to do drive through, and then what? Is it garage band um, practice? So you see your girlfriend? You're going to watch some Netflix? Are you going to watch? Uh, the uh, the Netflix thing I was telling that's, you about I, with Michael Franzese. Um You t- talked about that earlier, and you really piqued my interest. That's something I'm definitely interested in. Heading over to uh, eat with a girlfriend tonight, and I'm going to try to to pitch the uh, the mafia documentary uh, it's, thing it's on really Netflix. It's really pretty good, and, and the way it's done, and this was like different because sometimes there's the what's really good, and, and all credit to Brandon Vogel. We'll talk to him Thursday. But with Fear City, the editing on this, but the 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 dude who installed the the wiretaps, the bugs, is hilarious on this because he did them for all five of the the mafia families, like the the boss. And he, and he <laughs> watch it. It's okay. three hours. It's three different parts, one hour each. Fear City. It was number two on Netflix. Uh, major contributor to it, Michael Franzese, former Colombo crime boss, with us uh, next Tuesday. So excited to talk with Michael again. And good on Michael. He has uh, his own ministry, born again Christian. So Michael's no longer mobbed up and trying to change his life and change others' lives. So, but check out Fear City. It's good. Thanks to Damon Barr, Chris Schmidt. Back at you tomorrow. 4 o'clock with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.